What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Tom Butler. And I'm Brendan Duffy. You're listening to the James Bond A to Z podcast. Join us on this journey of discovery across the world of the 007 movies as we take an encyclopedic look at cinema's greatest spy films. We'll learn about the people who made them in front of the camera and behind, from Ken Adam to Max Zorin, with the occasional detour down a few rabbit holes. And we'll sometimes be joined by guests with unique insight into the world of Bond. This podcast is in no way affiliated with the James Bond brand, E.ON, or the Fleming Estate. We do our best to make sure the information is accurate, but sometimes we do get it wrong. If you want to correct us on something, or add some more detail, email us on podcast at jamesbondatoz.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the James Bond A2Z podcast, where we have reached the letter T. My name is Tom Butler and joining me as we explore the characters and creatives of the Bond world that fall under the 20th letter of the alphabet, it's the totally tubular Mr. Brendan Duffy. <laughs> Hello, what is that, tubular? That's a, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, letter T is going to be a huge letter for us. Uh, we've got six movie specials coming up after this one. The Living Daylights, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Spy Who Loved Me, The World Is Not Enough, Thunderball... Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, I don't know why our forward thinking on that one was... Uh, I don't know what I was thinking, to be honest. But um, before we get to those, we're going to have a look at the people who fall under the letter T. Uh, from the Bond world, and they include some terrible tyrants, some talented types, some tremendous totty. Ooh. Sorry. I, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Cancel me now. Some top-notch talent. But first, let's kick things off with a tantalising thriller. T is for Tamahori, Lee Tamahori, the director of Die Another Day. Um, He was actually born Warren Lee Tamahori. He was born in 1950 and he is from New Zealand. Um, He's of Maori ancestry on his father's side and he's British on on his mother's. Started his career prior to working in the film industry. He was an artist and a photographer. 
moving into the 80s, he actually found his own production company and they made commercials and he made loads of high-profile ones, won an award for uh, best commercial of of the decade in the 80s. Wow. Um, And that propelled him uh, to then be able to make bigger things. His debut feature film was a film called Once Were Warriors uh, and it's it's about a Maori family, um, so it was shot in New Zealand. Have you seen it? No, I'm, not, I'm aware of it. I've got look, I've got I've got it on DVD, and I'm aware of the imagery from it. It's got, it's got the guys with the tattoos all over their faces, haven't they? Yes, it's very, very violent, very gritty um, film. Um, that obviously that got him recognition, and it enabled him to work in Hollywood and work on bigger films. Mulholland Falls in 1996. Um, the Edge in 1997, and he also directed an episode of The Sopranos. Ooh. Um and along came a spider in 2001. That's that one. That one I have seen. I've that seen that one's one. the one with um, Angelina Jolie and Morgan Freeman. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so by this time, you know, he's making films with a bit more money behind. 2002 comes along, and. Obviously, he, he gets the Die Another Day gig. Following that up, he um, he moved on to the sequel to Triple X, which was called State of the Union in 2005. Have you seen that one? Have you seen either of those? I think I must have seen Triple X. I think I think I'd seen Triple X. Yeah, I remember yeah. it being sort of quite quite a, a, a mindless, sort of brainless sort of mm. uh, movie. So I just assume the second one is more of the same. Really, yeah. uh, we have covered him. In the Dine of the Day episode, you know, the process of making that and, you know, things weren't all ideal on the on the set of Dine of the Day. But he had an interesting idea, which I don't think we did cover. And in an interview at the time the film was released, he said that my idea was basically there have been several Bonds and it's just a code name. Even James Bond is not the guy's name. That's the that's the way I've always been able to view these things. From when Connery left and Lazenby and Moore took over and right up to Brosnan. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I don't believe... I don't... I'm not into the codename theory. I think it's no, a load of nonsense. Me either. But he, he basically was using it because there were rumours at the time, dying of the day, that we were going to get a cameo from Connery. Right. If you remember. Yes. Um, and so he said that that means either Connery either died or retired and so on. So following that, you can possibly have two Bonds in a movie. What happened to the others? I thought if there was a scene where Bond meets one of the originals, an older 007 who got out of the surface, service and acted as a mentor to him. I mean, I think if he'd have done that in Dying of the Day, it would have potentially killed the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, interestingly, I've been reading about Living Daylights for a coming episode, and their original idea for Living Daylights as a prequel was that Bond would join MI6 and be trained by the older 007. Um, so there is precedent for it. Um, wow. And also we okay. get a bit of that in, in No Time to Die, don't we? Mm. Uh, when there's two 007s, or at least the new 007 with the old 007. But um, no, I think, I mean... We spoke enough about Die Another Day and the crazy thing that movie did. I think it don't think it needed anything as more crazy to add it in. No, well, the producers shot that down, so there you go. That's Lee Tamahori. 
T is for Tanaka, Tiger Tanaka, uh, played by Tetsuro Tamba. So the most T person you could imagine. Wow, that is that's like won an award, isn't it? That's that's got to be the first time we've had a quadruple T, yeah. uh, quadruple letter on the podcast. Obviously, Tiger, t- t- I can't even say it. Obviously, Tiger Tanaka is the You Only Live Twice character, and he is the head of the Japanese Secret Service who helps Bond on his mission in Japan. Um, And his headquarters, I love this, are inside his private underground train that travels around Tokyo. I think it's such a a cool move um, for that movie. Um, This is one of those, though, Tiger Tanaka, that when I looked at the podcast and, and including it in the list, I thought, yeah, I know this one. I'll get this done quite easily. But Brendan, buckle up, because you're in for a crazy ride here. Okay. So... First of all, just talking about Tiger Tanaka, he also has a ninja training school where he teaches ninjutsu to Bond and he also helps him to become Japanese in order to marry Kissy Suzuki. And then he helps Bond to attack Blofeld's lair. Um, the character was based on the character from the Ian Fleming book, of course. Um, and in the film, you know, we've got this actor Tetsuro Tamba, but he's voiced by Robert Rietti, uh, a voice actor who we covered very recently on the podcast, if you're interested in learning more about that. But talking about Tetsuro Tamba, here's, here's where it gets a bit uh, a bit bonkers. But uh, he was born at Shosaburo Tamba in Tokyo in 1922, and he worked as an interpreter with the Allies during World War II before becoming an actor in the 1950s. And he made more than 200 films um, and he, let, he at one point in an interview, he admitted that he'd never refused a film role and he'd also never memorised a script. Uh, and he also said he never sat through an entire film that he'd appeared in. So um, uh, big, big name in the Japanese film industry. Uh, he had been under contract to, to Shintoho Studios uh, and then went uh, freelance working in uh, lots of different types of movies, um, period movies, uh, gore movies. Some of the films that he worked on include um, The Last Days of Planet Earth, um, Pigs and Battleships. But it was in 1961 that Tetsuro Tamba was introduced to Western audiences in a film called Bridge to the Sun, um, which was directed by Etienne Perrier. And then in 1964, he appeared in a film called The Seventh Dawn, which was directed by Lewis Gilbert, Mm. who we know went on to direct Bond films. when they were looking to cast the actor to play Tiger Tanaka, um, the United Artists uh, boss, Bud Ornstein, met with the legendary Japanese actor Toshiro Mifune um, to convince him to play the role. Uh, but unfortunately, he was already committed to appear in the film Grand Prix. So they couldn't get the man they wanted. Toshiro Mifune would have been amazing um, to have a legend like that in um, in the film. but uh, And he would have been more fitting for the age of Tiger Tanaka because um, if there is one sort of complaint about uh, Tamba in You Won't Live Twice is that he's perhaps a little bit too young to be the head of the Secret Service in Japan. But by the by, um, when Lewis Gilbert was filming in Japan for You Won't Live Twice, the, the the stipulation by the local government was that they use a lot of Japanese talent. So Lewis Gilbert basically called on his friend uh, Tamba, Tetsuro Tamba, to help him with translating while they were auditioning the local talent. And he was the one that suggested Akiko Wakabayashi for the film and also Mi Hammer. Um, but when Mifuni basically turned the role down, Tamba got the role by default, really. Um, he was the man they knew in Japan. He got the role. Hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, that's he, there's no real interviews with him talking about being in You Only Live Twice. I think he's a great character in that movie. Uh, I don't know about you. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. 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 He's like the sort of the equivalent of Bond, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and they have a nice sort of uh, relationship that starts off a bit um, combative, but develops into mutual respect, doesn't mm. it? I like anyway. that initial meet- meeting of them. I think it's Yes. Good. Yeah. yeah. I think it is fantastic. Anyway, so post You Only Live Twice, this is where it goes a bit bonkers. So in the 1980s, um, Tetsuro Tambo, Tamba became the leader of the Dai Ryan Kai, uh, which translates as the Great Spirit World, which is a spiritual cult movement, um, which he made propaganda movies based upon his theories of the afterlife. And in 1989, he released a full length film called Dai Rakai, um, depicting what happens to the spirits of people who die in Japan. There's a really great, interesting write-up about this movie uh, online, um, which you can find uh, by Googling it. But I'll just read an extract on it. So, according to one of Tamba's 42 books on the subject, heaven is about a thousand kilometres directly above the earth and rotates with it. When Japanese die, they naturally go to a Japanese-esque place, Tamba assures his ethnically conscious followers. But, he adds, as though to lure the internationally spirited, because there is no concept of time or space throughout the spirit world, anyone who wants to go to the from the Japanese village to the American village can be there in an instant. Tamba promises nothing less than everlasting youth and beauty for the good people on earth. Visions of his uh, heavens and hells vary with the artist, but most illustrated books show youthful, even erotic spirits rising from the deathbeds of the wrinkled elderly, usually women, the middle-aged variety of which constituted most of the audience in the theatre showing his film. So he basically wanted to, um, yeah, he was like this cult leader and and part of this um, film that he made uh, was talking about the construction of a spirit world land a sort of disneyland amusement park where um, people would go and see holograms of themselves floating above their bodies Um, and then they would go go on a cable car that started in purgatory went through heaven and hell and then landed back at souvenir stands where they (laughs) buy um, souvenirs from tamba's cult Um, and apparently the books that he wrote about his cult were quite sexually graphic um but the films that he made were a bit more family friendly um but he sold his books uh and and films in theater cinema lobbies um along with videotapes and audio cassettes of his lectures um and so wrapping things up in this write-up about his movie it said despite tamba's easy smile the ruggedly handsome movie and tv star seems to be dead serious about life if god ever banishes him from heaven it will not be for good satire but for bad parody so yeah Tetsuro Tambo, yeah. And and, and towards the end of his life, he sort of wasn't so involved with this cult. And he made a few films with Takashi Miike, including The Happiness of Katakuris and Gozu. Um, He also had a a cameo in a film called Blind Beast vs. Killer Dwarf in 2001. Uh, But sadly, he died in 2006 at the age of 84. Um, But yeah, I wasn't really expecting all of that from... uh, Tetsuro Tamba. Not, not at all. Crazy well, life. He'd be a thousand kilometres directly above the earth right now, won't he? he? Exactly, in his Disneyland paradise, yeah. selling souvenirs and erotic books. <laughs> <laughs> Strap yourself in again, because Here we go. T is for Tanner, Bill Tanner, and I can't believe you didn't want to research Bill Tanner. 
Your favourite character in the franchise. My favourite character in all of the Bond films, yeah. yeah. Here we go, let's go. So, William Tanner is is an employee of the secret intelligence service, MI6, and he is basically M's chief of staff. And, it, you know, originally in the, in the novels, but then was put into the films for the first time in 1974. The Man with the Golden Gun, played by Michael Goodliffe. Although only seen briefly... Can you remember him in this? I mean, you've probably got posters of him, but... <laughs> I've got a signed autograph, yeah. yeah. No, remind me. Um, so it's just at the beginning, in M's office, they discuss, discuss uh, Scaramanga, who has sent the bullet to MI6, yeah, yeah. yeah with 007. Um, and yeah, Tanner just explains that Scaramanga's fingerprints are on the bullet and it's been verified by the CIA. And that's it. So it was just a, a short introduction to the character at that point. Played by Michael Goodliffe, who was an English actor, born in 1914, died in 1976. Um, and he was actually wounded in the leg and captured at the Battle of Dunkirk. Wow. Um, and was incorrectly listed as killed in action at the time. So in his obituary was po- published in a newspaper. Um, oh, like Bond. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. But he wasn't, uh, he hadn't deceased. He was a prisoner of war in Germany. Um, and whilst he was there, whilst he was captive, he produced, acted in and wrote plays and sketches to entertain fellow prisoners. And I think it was Desmond Llewellyn that did that as well, was it? Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they put on productions of Hamlet. Um, uh, in Eichstatt. I'm not sure if that was where where Llewellyn was as well, but yeah. Um, once the war had finished, he did uh, carry on with his professional acting career. Um, and he was best known at the time for a film called A Night to Remember. Uh, he plays the designer of the Titanic. Yes, I was going to say I recognise that film. Um, and then he, he went on to be, you know, do do a number of uh, number of films. But he was in a lot of prisoner of war films as well. And again, this is something like you've lived it for real. Why would you want to live it again on the act it again? Um, but sadly, he suffered from depression and he had a breakdown in 1976. Um, so only a couple of years after shooting uh, his scene in The Man with the Golden Gun. And um, he was actually rehearsing for a revival of Equus at the time. Um, but he he leapt from a hospital he was at, leapt, leapt from hospital fire escape, sadly committed suicide uh, whilst he was a patient at the hospital. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the next incarnation of Tanner, we have, do you know what film it is off the top of your head? Oh, for your eyes only. Yes, of course you know, pretending you don't. <laughs> uh, played by James Villiers. So in this one, Tanner gives Bond his assignment um, with Sir Frederick Grey and they send him to go and find Hector Gonzalez. Um, we also see Tanner at the end of the film when uh, Margaret Thatcher is talking to the parrot. Um <laughs> So, obviously, this one, which we covered in the Fiori's only episode, um, January 1981, four months into the filming, uh, Bernard Lee died, and so he couldn't play M. So, out of respect, they didn't 
hire a new actor at that time and just rewrote the script and dished out the lines to Tanner or Frederick Gray, which meant that Bill Tanner had a bigger part than initially thought uh, when the script was originally written. Uh, So James Villiers, he was an English actor, born 1933 and died in 1998. He made his film debut in 1958 and was in a lot of uh, a lot of films, uh, British films. The Damned, The Nanny, Scarlet Pimpernel in 1982, mm. Mountains on the Moon. But he specialised in portraying villains. That was his thing. Nominative determinism. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, that's right. His name's Villiers. Play villains. Villiers, yes. Yeah. Um, interesting <laughs> that Villiers, the name Villiers was used then. Uh, in Casino Royale? Yes. For M's Chief of Staff? Yes. Yes, but, that's yeah. right. That's I wonder right. if that, that's a coincidence or on purpose. Well, it's all, I, I could be completely wrong, but I think there's a connection to the books as well in that Villiers is the name of the superchargers in Bond's car. Right. Um, okay. That's a, bit of a, that's a bit of a deep cut, but uh, I don't know if the two things are linked. But um. Um, So back to Tanner. Moving forward with Tanner, he was, he returned. What film did he return in? Pretend you don't know. Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> no, Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Yes. Goldeneye. Played by Michael Kitchen this time. So yes. in, in Goldeneye, we only see him brief, briefly um, when the Goldeneye weapons are set off in Servanaya. Um, the evil queen of numbers, isn't it? Yes. He, he, gets, yes. he gets told off because yeah, he calls her the evil queen of numbers and she's right behind him. Oh, so awkward. Tanner. Yeah. Then in The World Is Not Enough, he comes back and he's at the castle in Scotland at an MI6 debriefing. Um, they get the hologram of... Reynard. Uh, Reynard, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, he was meant to come back uh, for Tomorrow Never Dies, but he was unable to do it. Um, so they created the character of Charles Robinson, played by Colin Salmon. Colin Salmon, yeah, so, we've covered recently. Yeah. Also, Michael Kitchen was the first actor to portray Tanner in more, more than once in film. So Michael Kitchen, born in 1948, English actor, best known for uh, Detective Chief Superintendent Christopher Foyle. Foyle's War. In Foyle's War, which ran for 13 years. Yeah, he's been in, like, you name a British TV show, he's, he's guest starred in it. You know, your classics, Inspector Morse, Touch of Frost, Pie in the Sky, Minder. Um, yeah, he's, he's a recognisable British face, isn't he, I would say? Yes, definitely. Moving forward and to the incumbent. Uh, in 2008, Tanner made an appearance in the Daniel Craig set of films, played by Rory Kinnear. So in Quantum of Solace, um, he is seen giving information about Craig Mitchell to Bond and M. And then he later, he tells M about Bond's actions um, whilst he's tracking down Edmund Slate. Uh, Tanner's actually the one that goes to Bolivia to help M stop Bond until she decides to trust him. Then in Skyfall, he st- this is where he starts to get a bit, bit more of a bigger role from this point on. Um he is tracking Bond's movements in Turkey 
and he informs M that he's at the Grand Bazaar chasing Patrice, uh, and he's seen in you know he's he's a regular uh, in in the M scenes throughout this film. Yeah. Um, then Inspector, he is uh, he actually takes but he escorts Bond to Q's lab on the boat on the River on Thames. The boat. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then he obviously he plays a big part in bringing the Nine Eyes program down. Uh, and then most recently, No Time to Die, uh, you know the Scooby Doo gang. There, uh, he's he's what he's a member of them. So he's talk about Staffin and Heracles. He's doing a briefing about with M to Bond, and then at the end, obviously, Tana, Nomi, Q, and M have a drink in Bond's honor after he's died. He's got one of the best lines in No Time to Die, I think, when he says that Blofeld is as mad as a bag of frogs. <laughs> Which I think is a great Yeah, that is it's good. Got to be got to be Phoebe Waller Bridge that I think. Yeah. Um so Rory Kinnear, born nineteen seventy eight, English actor, um, and his dad was Roy Kinnear, who played Henry Salt in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in nineteen seventy one. Um Great actor. Yeah. Fantastic actor, actor who sadly died shooting a, a film on the a fell off a horse. Yeah, uh, Musketeers movie. Yeah. So R- Rory Kinnear, it's confusing, isn't it? Because their names are very similar. <laughs> Rory Kinnear, um, he is quite interlinked into the Bond universe now. He's he's read two audiobooks. He did Live and Let Die in 2012, and more recently with a mind to kill. Um, the Anthony Horowitz Bond novel. He's a pretty prolific actor. Again, very recognisable. Been in a lot of things. Um, been in Penny Dreadful, which of course was written by John Logan, produced, produced by Sam by Mendes, yeah. starred Eva Green, Timothy Dalton, Helen McCrory. So, you know, a lot of Bond, Bond alumni in that Did one. Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't. No. He played like Frankenstein's monster. Ah, oh, okay. Yes, it's very, it's very good actually. I, I, I enjoyed the first series of it. I never didn't watch any more of it beyond that, but I enjoyed the first series. It was a bit like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen type mashup thing. Okay, well, don't mention that because that ended Connery's career. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He, I, I was watching an episode of Thick of It the other day, and he he pops up in one of those. Oh. So you know, it is one of those where you can just see him popping up. He did that. Um, I was a supporting artist in one of the... What's that political TV show with... Um, is it Emma Thompson that's in it? Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's like... It's it's set in the future where you've got corrupt government. It doesn't sound like the future, does it? But where you've got a corrupt government who... Um, <laughs> <laughs> who are really, like, authoritarian. Um, but anyway, I... So I've, I've been in a scene with him. That's Have you really? Wow. Isn't it? I was I was go. blurry. I was blurry. You know, he was in focus, but hey. Um, but he said about um, playing the role uh, in an interview to Looper, he said, I didn't even know film to film through Daniel's time whether or not I'd be back. I can see both things potentially being appealing. So they asked him about whether he'd be back post Daniel Craig. And he said, with a new Bond, they can try and create an entirely new world around him. Or, or like with Judy Dench, from Pierce to Daniel, they can try and create a sense of continuity. I can totally see the options ahead of them, and I just don't know which way they'll go. 
So, um, yeah, he he seems to lean towards them not bringing him back. What, well, what do you think? I'd like to see them come back, but I also can see the reasoning why they wouldn't. If they mm. wanted to do another fresh start, then let's do it again. Um, it would be a shame, though, because I think Roy Kinnear is a great sort of cornerstone of that MI6 um, team. Mm. Um, I saw him yeah. do a... He was part of the... Um, 60 years of bond panel at the bfi and um he was a really charming presence on that panel he's not a james bond fan in the slightest um he knows nothing about the character or the history of the character um but he had a really strong rapport with daniel craig i think and that yeah. sort of really helped uh, but he was very very self-effacing very charming i think he'd be a great brand ambassador if they were to bring him back yeah, like 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 a Desmond Llewellyn sort of yeah role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make him M next time. It could he could be promoted. I think he'd he's got the gravitas for it. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a shout. Watch this space. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coffee, medium sweet. Two, medium sweet. Thanks for listening. We hope you're enjoying the James Bond A to Z podcast. Remember, if you want to support the show, we have a coffee page at ko-fi.com forward slash James Bond A to Z, where you can buy us a coffee for just £3 or for £3 a month. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Is that all it does? T is for Tibbetts, a Godfrey Tibbet. A, hey. a, a, yes, I know. Finally, back to where we started this podcast with uh, <laughs> Patrick McNee, the uh, character played by Patrick McNee in A View to a Kill. Uh, now, Godfrey Tibbet is a horse trainer slash horse expert who sort of works with Bond on A View to a Kill. Um, he gets introduced at the races when Bond goes to the races with M and Money Penny and, and what have you. And Tibbet recognises that Zorin's horse is cheating. And so he goes with Bond undercover <laughs> the at horse, Zorin's the chateau. Horse, the horse isn't cheating. 
Well, <laughs> think you throwing shade at the horse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Zorin is cheating by giving his horse steroids. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, Tibbet goes with Bond undercover at Zorin's chateau in France, and they uh, he obviously has to pretend to be Bond's chauffeur. Um, Bond the Bond movies love a chauffeur. I don't know if you've noticed mm. this, but um, yeah. They love to get chauffeurs in there. Anyway, and they discover that Zorin is using steroids to help his horses. Uh, but sadly, Tibbet meets his fate when he gets killed by Mayday, played by Grace Jones in A View to a Kill. But m- most important thing about this character is that it was Patrick McNee who played the role. And he's best known as John Steed in The Avengers. Uh, he was born in uh, he was born Daniel Patrick McNee in London in 1922. And his father, also called Daniel, was a horse trainer. And actually, this is part of the reason why he was chosen to play this role in A View to a Kill. Uh, he went to boarding school and then Eton, which was paid for by his mother's lover, the rich socialite Evelyn Spottiswood. Uh, but he was later expelled from Eton for selling pornography and being a bookmaker. Um, <laughs> so reminiscent of the story of Fleming and Bond himself as well. Mm. Um, but then he went into acting and then he was called up by the military and he served in the Navy during World War Two. Um, then he went on to work as an actor in America and Canada because um, he wasn't getting business here in the UK. But then when he was in London working on a documentary that he was producing about Winston Churchill, he landed the role of John Steed in The Avengers, um, a role that would come on to define his career. And in fact, when he joined The Avengers, he wasn't the lead character Um uh, another actor was, um, but it ended up being Steed who became the lead in the series. Uh, it was his most iconic role and he appeared in all but two of the 161 episodes produced between 1961 and 1969. Uh, famously working with a factory line of Bond girls, including Honor Blackman, Diana Rigg and Joanna Lumley. Um, and he was also the central character in the new Avengers in 1976 and 1977. Um, he returned to the world of science, uh, spy-fi, as we could like to call it, um, when he took over the role of Sir John Raleigh, the number one at the Uncle organisation for the 1983 TV movie The Return of the Man from Uncle, the 15 years later affair, um, alongside Robert Vaughan and David McCallum. And I believe that's the one with George Lazenby in it as well, because that's the 83 one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But he was very, very good friends with Roger Moore um, in real life. And they starred together a lot of different things, uh, including 1976's Sherlock Holmes in New York, uh, where Patrick McNee played Watson to Roger Moore's Holmes. Um, and then also they appeared together again in The Sea Wolves in 1980. But it wasn't um, until Roger Moore's final Bond film uh, before uh, Patrick McNee joined the series as Tibbet. Interview to a kill. Uh, so the role was written, supposed to be as a jockey, um, but that was changed, presumably to suit the older um, Patrick McNee, um, who, who gets to drive Cubby's Rolls Royce in the movie. Um, and McNee, he called Tibbet a perfectly delightful part. Um, but Patrick McNee's connection to the Bond films endured a long time for a long time after the 1983 Bond film. He returned. Uh, in 2000 to to narrate the uh, inside documentaries that appear on each and every one of the James Bond film DVDs. Um, The only one that he doesn't do the voice for or doesn't do the narration for is the one for A View to a Kill. 
So that's a fun little fact for you. Mm. The the pair of them have great chemistry in, in A View to a Kill. You can oh, they really you, do, it yeah. oozes off the screen. It's definitely one of the highlights. Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, we're just going to wrap up to say that in uh, sadly Patrick McNee died in two thousand and fifteen uh, in California at the age of ninety three. So good old innings for a, uh, a legend of legend of the screen. So T is for Tildesley, Mark Tildesley. He was the production designer for No Time to Die. And he's collaborated with a a lot of high-profile directors. Uh, Danny Boyle, Michael Winterbottom, Richard Curtis, Ron Howard, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. So he's, you know, he's he's a big go-to. Most recently, of of course, he's done The Banshees of Inishiran and Empire of Light. And he worked as a designer with Danny Boyle for the 2012 Summer Olympics opening ceremony that was called Isle of Wonder, which he actually won an Emmy Award for, for Best Art wow. Direction. Um, so in terms of his films, I mean, yeah, 28 Days Later, Constant Gardener, um, Train Spotting 2, The Two Popes, and No Time to Die. You know, he's, he's work, working on big projects. Yeah, and and I think he's the one that um, started to tell us, if we remember in the No Time to Die episode, we we talked about the initial script when Danny Boyle was part of the project. Yes. Because it was Danny Boyle that brought Mark Tilsley on board and uh, the producers were impressed with the work he'd done when Danny Boyle parted ways, so they kept him. But um, he was the one that started to reveal what the Danny Boyle script was going to be like saying how out there it was and that he's still trying to convince the producers to get Danny Boyle back on board, basically. Um, and he was talking about their building Siberian gulags and rocket silos and all sorts of stuff, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, and then the, they leaked the um, the artwork, didn't they, last year? Yes, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, so all those designs were, were leaked and they're online now if you want to go and have a look at them. Um, some really impressive stuff that... That what could have been that you know but we talk about this how bond goes back to its own vault and uses stuff from previous previous films that wasn't used so who knows who knows what we'll get moving forward but um yeah you can see in terms of no time to die he's definitely used the the history of bond you know ken adam as an influence, hasn't he? Oh, 100%. Yeah, we look at Satin's yeah. lair on the Poison mm-hmm. Island and all that sort of stuff. I think Mark Tilsley is a serious talent. Yeah. Um, and I really, really hope that they make him a cornerstone of the future of the franchise. You know, make him the Ken Adam of the series. Make him the, um, uh, yeah, the production designer du jour that they turn back to every time. Because I think, I think he'd be a great asset to the series. I agree, yeah. And I watched an interview him on YouTube and I thought exactly that. I was like, he could be this generation's Ken Adam. You know, keep keep him for, you know, 15, 20 years. Or whatever, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so hopefully he works on the next one. But I, I've recently watched The Banshees of Inishirin, um and it's 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 an excellent film. Yeah, that's um, next on my list. So yeah, that's that's highly recommended. And I saw the trailer for Empire of Light, and you can see how much fun he's he had with that. That's the so, Sam Mendes. It's the, it's the Sam Mendes, yeah, set yeah. in a cin- cinema. Yeah. Um, 
visually looks stunning. So and, and the sets look look amazing. So yeah. Yeah. Right, T is for Trench, Sylvia Trench. She was the very, very first movie Bond girl, played by Eunice Gason in Doctor No, uh, and also returned to play uh, Sylvia Trench again in From Russia With Love. Uh, So a big, important um, Bond girl in the history of the series, or Bond woman, shall I say. Uh, Sylvia Trench is introduced, along with Sean Connery's James Bond in Les Ambassadeurs in Doctor No, where she basically invents Bond's catchphrase. Because she says the name uh, that her name is Trench Sylvia Trench, and she says Mister, and he replies Bond James Bond, echoing the way that she said it. So she's basically the origin of that. She then seduces Bond, uh, which I always think is a nice twist. You know, she's the one that does the sh- mm. seducing in this scene, and she turns up in his apartment wearing his shirt and playing golf. I just think I just love that uh, character moment for her in that movie. Um, she then returns in from Russia with Love, one of only two Bond girls to appear in multiple Bond films as the same character. The other one being, of course, Leah Seydoux as Madeleine Swan. And she appears with Bond on a riverside date. Uh, again, another great little character moment for her, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Bond is called back into action, unfortunately, cutting their date short. And there were talk, there was talk of her returning to play the role in Goldfinger. But Guy Hamilton, the director of that film, decided against it. Um, And I think that's the right thing to do. I think to make her a running joke in the movies would have been um, a bit of a disservice to her character. Um, But it was a role that she never didn't wasn't intended to play originally. But I'll come to that in a second. I'll just talk a little bit about her history. But Eunice and her twin sister Patricia were born in Croydon in March 1928. Family moved to Surrey, then Glasgow, then Edinburgh. And this is where Eunice enrolled in the Edinburgh Academy. And she was a gifted singer. She trained as an opera singer. Uh, And in 1946, aged 18, made her professional debut uh, in a role in uh, Ladies Without at the Garrick in London. And she enjoyed a really successful career on stage and then later in television and broke into the movies uh, in 1948 in a film called... Uh, my brother Jonathan, but her big breakthrough came in 1958's Hammer horror film, The Reven- Revenge of Frankenstein, uh, which she played the female lead. Um, and that movie was a sequel to The Curse of Frankenstein, which was Hammer's uh, adaptation of the Mary Shelley book. Um, so her connection to Bond begins when she starred in Terence Young's 1956 Warwick film, Zarak. That was produced by Cubby Broccoli. And she knew Sean Connery personally because they were neighbours at the time. Um, So when she was cast in Doctor No, she was having some success on stage playing the Baroness in the original London production of The Sound of Music in 1962, which ran for 2,000 performances. Mm. Um, So she's one of the longest running cast members of that um, musical. Um, and in fact, the, her theatre commitments meant that she could only sign up for a small part in the Bond film. Um, and this is where the, um, um, yeah, this is where the lines sort of cross. So Lois Maxwell had been offered the role, uh, offered the choice of playing Money Penny or Sylvia Trench, and uh, Lois Maxwell says she chose Money Penny because she didn't uh, want to appear on screen in a pajama top. And thought that Money Penny would have a longer running role. That's what Lois Maxwell says. But Eunice Gason, in a separate interview, she said 
that she had landed the role of Money Penny, but it was her theatre commitments, which meant she had to turn it down in favour of paying Sylvia Trench. I'm not sure which side of those stories is the true story, but um, they definitely swapped roles at some point. Um, the famously, Eunice Gason did an interview where she said that um, Terence Young had asked her to help Sean Connery to relax on set um, while they were shooting the casino scene. Um, she said, Sean had been told to be on the wagon and I knew that because he refused to drink the night, and I knew that because he refused to drink the night before. So we went for lunch and I said, oh, I'm dying for a drink. Do you want one? He said, no, I can't. And I said, go on, just have one. I pretended to drink mine, but he more or less downed his in one. Then to my horror, he ordered another one. Not having had a drink for so long, it really affected him, but in a nice sort of way, all his nerves seemed to go out of the window. We went back on set and he said the name Bond, James Bond, in a beautiful way and that was it uh she she helped to make that moment um history sadly Eunice Gason you don't hear her voice in Doctor No because she's dubbed by Nikki van der Zyl. I'm not really mm. sure why but you can hear her voice in the original trailer for Doctor No I was to leave for Jamaica in two hours license to kill now you may be miss it I decided to accept your invitation. I have to leave immediately. Just as things were getting interesting again. So after Bond, she appeared with Roger Moore in The Saint, and then also she appeared in The Avengers. Uh, but her last screen role came in 1972 in something called The Adventurer. Uh, but she did continue to be an in-demand stage actor after that. Her final run in the West End came playing the grandmother in Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods in 1990 to 1991. And then she did a pantomime, uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz in 1992. Um, Her daughter, Kate, uh, cameos in Goldeneye in the casino scene. So that's a nice little return to the Mm. series for Eunice Gason, who sadly died in 2018, aged 90. T is for Trevelyan, Alec Trevelyan. Way one of the big guns. Absolutely. Um, so, a character that is in Goldeneye, codenamed 006 uh, originally, um, is an intelligence operative in the 006, 00 section with Bond. Um, and they were, of course, were friends. Um, but then he went on, he faked his death. And he ad- adopted the identity of Janus. Uh, and he founded a crime syndicate, a Russian crime syndicate, um, going back to his his roots. Um, you know, he, he was chosen as the main, the main villain in GoldenEye. And I think Bond is best when he meets his match. Yeah. And that's that's what they went for on this. And it, it worked so well a great a great character of course sean bean he was auditioned to play the role of bond and that's why he got this role because they you know he was so good in his audition they were really impressed so they found a way to bring him on board into the franchise and he said it's a great honor to be asked to play a bond villain to be 007's friend we part our ways and become enemies 
it was very interesting and great to be involved in. Um, so Sean Bean was also asked about, you know, the longevity of the Bond franchise. And he said, it's amazing how they've managed to change along with the times and they keep it vibrant. I think Daniel Craig is brilliant as Bond. I remember at the beginning, they're all saying, oh, he won't work. And I thought, yeah, you watch. Um, I mean, Sean Bean, if anyone's going to know, it's the sort of the sort of actor Sean Bean is. Yeah, uh, he's going to he's going to know Daniel Craig's capabilities. He worked with him in Sharp as well. Um, yeah, the second episode of Sharp, Daniel Craig was played the villain, but Sean Bean himself was born at nineteen fifty nine. Uh, he's an English actor. Uh, he went to RADA, graduated from RADA. Um, but born in Sheffield, and it's the his his Yorkshire accent that I think sets him apart from a lot of actors, um, mm. because no matter the role he's playing, especially when he played Sharp, he played Sharp from ninety three to ninety seven, the original run, and uh, he kept his Yorkshire accent. Um, the num the films he's been in, I mean, he is an absolute <laughs> British icon. Of, of film and TV. Um, Patriot Games, Ronin, Lord of the Rings, National Treasure, Troy, Flight Plan, The Island, uh, Jupiter Ascending, The Martian, of course, Game of Thrones as well. Um, but there's one thing that, f that fans of his did notice. Yeah. Uh, can you guess that what that was? He always gets killed. He movies. always gets killed, yes. Um so they actually started, uh, there's a website dedicated to this. Um, and it's called don'tkillseanbean.com. <laughs> and it says, Sean Bean dies in everything, which is a shame because he's awesome. This blog is dedicated to ending the untimely deaths of Sean characters in TV and film. Help us save Sean Bean. And he was asked about this in, in, in an interview, actually. And he said that he is, um, he's, he's now looking at roles where it doesn't end in his demise. Which is quite interesting. Maybe he's fed up of dying as well. But yeah, um, that, that Sean Bean. I, th I feel like we could do an episode on Sean Bean just alone. I think you could do a whole podcast series on Sean Bean, to be honest. Mm. Have yeah. you seen the TV series Time? Uh, no. no. Which is absolutely fantastic. I, I saw uh, it's got it's him and Stephen Graham in prison. Uh, Stephen Graham is the um, uh, prison guard and Sean Bean is a man who ends up in prison after accidentally killing someone in a car when he's drunk. Right. Um, and I think because I'd only seen Sean Bean uh, appearing in sort of, um, you know, minor movie roles, I sort of forgot what an amazing actor he is. Um, and he is fantastic in that. If I can recommend one thing to watch Sean Bean in, like modern Sean Bean, it's that um, time. Um and I also saw him in another film recently as well called Possessor. Did you see that one, the Brandon Cronenberg one? No. No, it's, he's only in it for a very short period of time. And he, I think he gets killed in that quite brutally. Um, but he was great in that as well. Um, he's just, uh, yeah, he's he, he, he's great. He's really good. Yeah, I've seen him in an episode of something where he um, he plays a guy who dresses as a woman. Have you seen that? But I, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, that rings a bell. That does ring a bell. But he, he was absolutely fantastic in that as well. Yeah. No, he's, I, he, he's 
he's great and I, I i love him as alec trevelyan and you know uh, as everyone knows we love we love golden eye and i think he's he's great I, I do sometimes wish they hadn't given him this posh english accent in it but uh yeah but, uh, yeah because yeah. it's one of those roles that stands out as the one where he's not doing his yorkshire accent yeah yeah um but he's like an actor who um I, i'd put him on like same level as almost like gary oldman um mm. Yeah, like he's someone that's sort of it does he he appears in a lot of stuff, but he's always yeah. really good. Um, yeah, he's great right. value. You always know you're gonna get get a good performance from him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that just about wraps up our tea episode. Uh, before we embark onto the movies, there are a number of creatives and characters that we just want to mention here in our addendum section, which has become sort of tradition in these episodes so i'll rattle through these in a bit less detail and i'll kick things off here brendan with t is for tarot miss tarot uh the um character from dr no played by zena marshall remember miss tarot yes yeah yeah the one in the uh, hotel room yeah the one who seduces bond and then basically sets him up to be killed yeah but in fact he turns the table on both of them um it's a cool little role uh, but she, uh, Zena Marshall, was uh, of English, Irish and French descent, um, born in Kenya, um, but brought up in Leicestershire in um, England. Another RADA graduate. Um, she had a number of TV and film roles, but stopped acting in the late 60s and sadly died in 2009, aged 83. That's Miss Tarot. T is for Tattersall, David Tattersall. Uh, who's a cinematographer who has worked on many big budget films and you know he works with George Lucas, Martin Campbell and Lee Tamahori who we've uh, talked about earlier on the episode. So he was the cinematographer for Die Another Day in 2002. Um interestingly also was the cinematographer for The Matador in 2005 starring a oh, great movie. Pierce Brosnan, yes. T is for Tamim, Janie Tamim. She's the French costume designer, award-winning costume designer who's worked on many, many blockbuster films. Her Bond credentials include Skyfall and Spectre, but she also did the last six Harry Potter films, House of the Dragon, Black Widow, and also Judy, the Judy Garland movie. Um, talking about working on the Bond films uh, on the From Taylors with Love podcast, Janie said that Sam Mendes personally invited her to be the costume designer on Skyfall. And she said, I would never have done Bond if it were not for Sam Mendes. He asked me... He's somebody who, with whom I wanted to work. We wanted to work together. He was doing Bond. I did Bond. I always chose a director and I want to stay like that. I was to, I was to stay somebody who loved cinema and do costume for film, but it has to be a good film. So that's Janie Tamim. T is for Tillon, Jodie Tillon, another costume designer, this time for Licence to Kill. Um, couldn't find that much detail about her, but... Um, she was very much behind the decision of the the square suits look of of Bond we get in this one. So uh, also his tuxedo was acquired from the same um, place that used to dress big Hollywood acts like Fred Astaire um, in Hollywood called Bataglia. T is for Jean Tournier. Uh, he was a French cinematographer who was the DOP on Moonraker, also known for the Day of the Jackal. And he was brought on to do Moonraker after the Spy Who Loved Me's cinematographer Claude Renoir developed sight issues and wasn't able to return. 
Uh, Jean Tournier wasn't able to, able to find out much about him, to be honest. Uh, and he sadly died in 2004. And T is for Truman Lodge. Truman Lodge is a character, the accountant and associate of Frank Sanchez in Licensed to Kill. Played by Anthony Stark, who is an American actor. He played Jimmy in the Seinfeld episode called The Jimmy. Do you remember, do you remember him? He's the guy that uh, speaks about himself in the third person. Yes, yeah. yes. And that so. prompts um, George, doesn't it, to, to do the same thing? Yes, yeah. George is getting angry. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly, yeah. 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 Um, I, I actually quite like Truman Lodge. It's a, a memorable name, isn't it? It's a, f- a funny name. He's a bit of a yuppie type, isn't he? He is, yeah. He doesn't he, he doesn't fit in that world that he's in. He's definitely out of his depth, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And, and towards the end, you can see that he's like, he's realised, oh, I'm one of the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, well, that's it. I think that wraps up our tea episode. So thank you very much for joining us uh, on this uh, exploration of the characters and people under the letter T. Um, we are next going to dive into our mammoth film series special so our next episode will be on the living daylights um looking forward to doing that on brendan don't know about you yep it's one that i recently watched during the uh the screenings in the cinema and um i like it more and more every time i see it to be honest so yeah Yeah. i'm I'm looking forward to it can't can't wait to dive into that one then we've got a couple of roger moore films um uh, a couple of brosnans and and the final connery uh, not the final connery but our penultimate connery um to cover so uh yeah we're on the final stretch now so um thank you so much for listening uh if you want to email the show with anything you can get us on podcast at jamesbond a to z.co.uk and if you want to get us on social media brendan at jamesbond a to z on facebook instagram and twitter well on that note then it just remains for me to say that the james bond a to z podcast will return next week ciao James Bond A to Z podcast is hosted and produced by Tom Butler and Brendan Duffy. With music by Tom Ingemels and artwork by Helen Dolly. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. Seems your hunch was right, 007. It's too bad the evil queen of numbers wouldn't let you play it. You were saying? No, no, I was just, uh, just... Um... Good. Because if I want sarcasm, Mr. Tanner, I'll talk to my children. Thank you very much. Good evening, 007. Good evening, um... The Prime Minister's waiting for an update. Proceed with your briefing, Mr. Tanner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.